All right. Well, praise God. I mean, I'm I'm excited that each one of you here. I I, I really did take some time um, to to just meditate and and um, spend time looking at the things that you shared with us as a part of uh, your prayer petitions for 2019. So I'm I'm already on the case in terms of praying and getting an agreement with you. If you did not get yours in, you're not too late. Um, please, the information is out there. We definitely want both of those that are here in the house and those that are here, um, those that are uh, watching with us online. We want you to participate with us because this is a year uh, we, we are doing things to connect the might of God um, to the situations that we face. And so um, it's, you know, it's, it's, there is process, there's process to deliverance, right? There's things, there's, there's ways that God moves. And so us laying out petitions in front of God and on a consistent schedule, spending time in prayer around those things, um, engaging the power of agreement, putting those things in goals, even when the goals have some part of it that you don't even know how it's going to happen. I just say that's the God part, right? I still plan the rest of the goal, right? Remember the women who said, um, who's going to move the stone away from us, from, from the tomb of Jesus? They had a goal to anoint his body. And even though they didn't know how the stone was going to be moved, they still kept moving towards the tomb. And so that's how we that's how we do in our goal process with God. We just believe that somewhere between where we start and where we end, his super is going to overwhelm our natural. So we don't make small goals that only fit what we know how to do in our own finite imagination or ability. We purpose to plan things and to put things in motion that are bigger than what we can do on our own, all right? And so I want to um, encourage you to please take the time to, um, to make those sheets, put them someplace important, right? Someplace where, as we talked about in Foundations 2 this morning, as a part of your devotion time, that you can go over them, look at them, right? Um, that you can, on some regular um, schedule, that you can review them with the Lord. Remind him, these are things that, that I'm earnestly petitioning heaven's power to move in this situation. Amen? All right. And so we're continuing on um, with um, Destined for Deliverance. We're, go we're going to talk today specifically about um, some more about the doctrine of debt of deliverance, but also illuminating the, the multifaceted nature of deliverance, that there's deliverance in various areas, all right? So I'm going to show you my prophetic impression. Remember the one prophetic impression that was related to deliverance? I just want to talk some about that. Can you bring that up for me, media? Hallelujah. And what it says is, is that God is calling you to receive Jesus' ministry of deliverance. God is calling you 
to receive Jesus' ministry of deliverance, right? This is a specific area of Jesus' anointing that he is specifically, one of his assignments was, was that he has come to save his people or deliver his people from their sins, from herds, from hindrances, from habits and strongholds. So we're going to talk about Jesus' ministry of deliverance today. And then we'll also come back around and then begin to talk to you about the fact that not only does he call you to receive his ministry of deliverance, but the part B of that is he's looking for you to be a minister of deliverance. So don't think you're going to get enough to just get you out and then you're not going to help somebody else out. All right. So, um, you know, when you, Lord, I just, I just need you to get me out of my financial situation. But when you get, when you get your grip left over, remember this, it's not going to be just for you. He's going he gonna to send somebody across your path that's going to need like you needed. Past tense. They're going to need in the present tense like you needed in the past tense. And the expectation is, is that the steps that you walked out and the assistance that you received, that you're going to pay it forward. You understand the term pay it forward? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you're going to pay it forward. You're going to help somebody else. So I'm not delivered, not just so that I can get balanced myself. It's not enough until I can help somebody in the area that I needed help in. That's when I know my deliverance cycle is complete. That I, I am not only strong enough that I am maintaining, but I can help somebody else to walk in what God has helped me to walk in. Amen? All right. Romans 10, 8 through 18, common passage of Scripture. We, we went through verse 13, and then I gave you a graphic all the way that covered verse 18. But let's just walk through the Scriptures here again one more time. And it says, but what does it say? The Word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the Word of faith which we preach that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Whatever shame is in my life, I can get rid of it through the deliverance process. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord overall is rich to all who call upon him. No matter what my background was, when I open my mouth and I call to it, God will be rich to me, and he won't even check my pedigree. He won't check my family history. He won't check none of the things that the world uses to determine whether or not he wants to hook me up. There's no distinction between Jew and Greek. Doesn't matter. Greek is education. Jew is spiritual background. Right? That's why you go to a college campus, they have Greek columns. It looks like Greek temples in most of them when they go to a real serious university. Why? Because they are paying homage to the Greek system. He says, he says, I'm not going to check whether or not you got the degree for it. The Jews said, we had Abraham as our father. He said, I'm not going to check with your grandmama a prayer warrior, neither. Nothing wrong with your grandmama being a prayer warrior. Thank God if you have one. But guess what? If, you, if your grandmama's not one, you can still be. 
There's no distinction between Jew and Greek. All right, verse 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we talked about that saved, right? How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe on him in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. See, just in case you didn't know it, your pastor got pretty feet. Hallelujah. Verse 16. I was, that was for Lady Nedja's benefit. Verse, verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? Everybody that hears doesn't believe. Verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Verse 18. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed, their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. Now, verse 18 is one that I use. I walk that down as a minister of the gospel, and I, I take verse 18 to believe, God, that the sound of destiny is going to the ends of the world, right? We're leveraging our social media presence to be bigger than our physical footprint, because we're believing God that the sound of destiny goes to the uttermost parts of the earth. Amen? All right. I gave you a graphic um, that starts with being sent, sent by God. Why don't you show that media? Um, right? We said that there has to be a preacher who is sent by God, right? Remember Isaiah, the Lord said, who will go for us? And Isaiah said, send me, Lord. Here am I. Send me. I'll go. Someone sent from God goes to preach. They have to preach a message that comes from God. They can't make it up on their own. They got to find something that God says. If God doesn't, if, if, if Jesus doesn't say, I'm Jesus, I approve that message, then it's not from God. What you're hearing won't help, all right? But if there is a preacher who is sent from God and you hear what they say that came from God and believe it, then righteousness comes to you. You get in right alignment, not when, not when you act on it, when you believe it. When you take the word to heart and believe it, right standing comes. God checks it right then. And she's all right with me. He's all right with me. And he releases shame from your life in that area. He begins to process right then, to release you from shame. I see, that's an important thing because, you know, some things you go through, you're ashamed of. All right? But God promises that when I believe on him, he's not going to let my belief result in shame. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. That was really, really good right there. I remember a time when um, I was at work. So when I'm at work, I have a certain kind of ambiance to me. You know, I can be cool and suave, but I got to have a certain, there's a certain corporate way that I talk and walk when I'm at work. Even when I'm, when I'm conducting business, it just, I'm not putting on, it's just, the, it's just the atmosphere of what I do. So one time I was at work and um, I, I was making a phone call, but it was lunchtime. I was on my own time. 
and uh, I was calling to, to make an arrangement with the creditor. And so I called and I called to um, the operator and who is it? So, so and so, you know how to operate it. Then they ask you, what can I connect you to? And I told him it was so-and-so collection agency. And the operator laughed at me. Because it seemed like I was this serious business person. Did she like, oh, you just, you know, I felt some kind of way in the moment. I felt some kind of way. But if I would call her back right now, if I could find her, she wouldn't be laughing no more. He that believeth. Yeah. Where I start up is not where I'm ending up. He that believeth on him shall not be put to shame. So you don't let somebody, you don't let somebody put shame on you, even if your situation is shameful. Because you haven't stopped believing. All right? Long as your believer is still working, then you don't have to, you're right? God's getting me out of this shame. He's already working on it. He's already working on it. All right? So the graphic says that at that moment that I believe that, that I'm made right with God and God begins the process of releasing me from shame. But then I open my mouth. I take what words that I have taken to heart and I put those same words in my mouth and I begin to call to it. I begin to open my mouth and call to it. It's not magic. I open my mouth and I call to it. And when I call, then God's, you know, we say he's mighty, but when I call to it, that might start to move into my situation. God's riches and salvation begins to be manifested in my situation. Now, that process is very important. That's why you don't want to miss church. It's not because I need to see y'all. Listen, you, you don't want to miss this process. You, 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 <laughs> you don't want to miss this. You don't want to miss the process of hearing a word from God that you can believe and call to. Right? It's not, it's not whether or not somebody's calling you and asking you where you at. I don't want to, because if I'm not there, they're going to call me and I'm going to feel some kind of way. No, no, no. I want you to get the salvation that God has for you. Why? Because <laughs> if we got real issues, I'm going to find somebody who's saying a word that I can believe and call to in that area. This is Pastor David. I'm not just coming here to preach to y'all. I'm going to go somewhere, and I'm going to find somebody who can preach to me. Amen. I'm not going to be somewhere stuck in some shame and having some poverty in some area of my life, and I'm not going to try to find somebody who got a word that can help me. I'm just not going to do that. And when I get in the situation, I'm going to call. Now, if you get embarrassed, um, then you probably don't want to come to me with, with me to that service. <laughs> when I need help, mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm. Because, see, everybody who got help in the Bible, they call for it. They tried to get blind Bartimaeus to be quiet, and when they tried to get him to quiet down, he cried out louder. So I'm not going to be one of these people. 
you know, now once he got it fixed, he didn't need to cry no more. Do you understand what I'm saying? Once you get your issue handled, then you don't have to handle it no more. Because who the son says free is free indeed. Yeah. So be okay. Now, God may give you some steps to your deliverance. I thought the man of God was going to come out and wave a magic wand over my sick area. But he told me to go down. He didn't even come outside. He sent the usher to the door. Hold it. Your answer is in that usher's mouth. At that moment, that usher is a sent one from God. He sent the usher, and the usher told me to go down and, and bathe in the Flint River. <laughs> See, you got to want it bad enough to do what it takes. You know, and not everybody... Some people like to look delivered more than they like to be delivered. If I get, if I, if, if I allow myself to be delivered, then the look is really real. It's not a social media alter ego. Yeah. Cool brother, one, two, three, four. It's not some alternate ego that's not really me. You understand? Okay, so we really want to take the time and go through the process of being delivered. We talked about the fact, we gave you this key definition about deliverance, sozo, um, that deliverance, it means to be slippery, to be slick, where Satan is trying to make you sticky and stick you and bind you in the problems. God makes you slippery, able to slip away from your enemy. Then we talked and gave you another definition about the fact that God is redeemer, right? Last, last week, we talked to you about the fact that the Lord is your redeemer, and he is your kinsman redeemer. It's, it's like <laughs> Lady Nadra and I, we were watching some show, and then it's like, why did man like, like you and you got all them kids? Jesus wants to marry you and your kids, Yeah, that's what that means. The Lord told me I hadn't spent enough time, but that's just that's what it means. He said he want to marry you and your kids. He's stepping into your house, fixing all your issues. The ones you had before you found him, he want to fix all them too. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what that means, right? It says that that um he redeems you according to the oriental law of kinship, to buy back, to marry a widow. He wants to marry you and your kids and take care of them. That's, that's the concept of being a redeemer, right? Because sometimes we think, man, I, I, I got saved, but I brought all these issues and God can't do, no, no, God can do something for you. All of that's part of his name. That's part of who he is. All right? Now, what we said is that God calls himself redeemer, 
Um, but, th- but he uses a preacher who has been sent to preach that deliverance, that salvation. Well, one preacher who has been sent to preach to us deliverance is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. In fact, every other preacher who preaches deliverance are taking a piece of the ministry they got from him and doing it. All right? So let's hear, let's see Jesus describe his ministry of deliverance as he was quoting the book of Isaiah. Let's look at it. In Luke chapter 4, we're going to read verses 14 through 21. Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 21. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit, that's a key phrase, in the power of the Spirit, to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding regions. And he taught in their synagogues or their churches, being glorified by all. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And and we would say that's Isaiah chapter 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim or preach liberty or deliverance. In the King James, it says deliverance to the captives. Here it says liberty and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed or bruised, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. He didn't just sit down in any chair. He sat down in Messiah's chair. That's just like somebody coming in the back and sitting in pastor's chair. Everybody looked at him because they feel in some kind of way. Right? And he sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue was like, what is he doing? They were all fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Notice that Jesus is anointed to preach deliverance. That's what it says, proclaim liberty to the captives or preach deliverance to the captives. Jesus is a deliverance preacher. Right? So don't feel like this thing about deliverance is something outside of your Christian experience. He didn't just get you saved for fire insurance. He wants to get stuff off of you that's been holding you down. That's a core of Jesus' ministry. All right? Now, there's a couple of things that we know about his ministry. One of the things he said, the kingdom of heaven is arrived. That was one core message that he preached. But this other one here says, I'm anointed to preach this thing that will bring deliverance in your life. All right? Eight key aspects of the deliverance ministry of the Lord Jesus. Eight key aspects of the deliverance ministry of the Lord Jesus. Number one, Jesus is anointed with the Holy Ghost to minister deliverance. Jesus is anointed with the Holy Ghost to minister deliverance. Remember, I talked to you about 
those cold days. We had some polar vortex. For some of y'all, I mean, they said, you know, it hadn't been this cold since like 94. Some of y'all, y'all wasn't even around then. That, it was colder here than it was in, in the North Pole. My goodness, man, that was some chilly, chilly cold. Right? Remember I told you about when we used to go to school and Pastor would anoint us with that and the ointment, we had to be shiny on them cold days. You got to be shiny, right? Because it just, yeah, keep you warm, right? All right. So what this scripture says, telling us is, is that Jesus had to be shiny to do his ministry too. He had to be anointed. He had to have the ointment of the Holy Spirit endowment on him. All right. What is the anointing? Let's look at Isaiah 10, 27. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil, or some verses just says the anointing. We get from this scripture that the anointing is the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. The anointing is the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. We're going to come back to that in future sessions, so I need to make sure you got that key point. It is the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. All right? Look at Acts 10.38. Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Spirit of the Lord God, Jesus said, is upon me. He has anointed me. His anointing removed burdens and destroyed yokes from the devil and did good. You see that? All right. So our, our, our number one from our list says, Jesus is anointed with the Holy Ghost to minister deliverance. And then he begins to identify areas of deliverance. Let's look at number two. Jesus is specifically sent to preach the poor out of poverty. Yeah. You know. Who professionally need help. People who constantly need other people to help them. Jesus said part of his anointing is to preach the poor out of that situation. Right? So please don't infer when you hear messages about giving that that is just about us getting something from you. It's about Jesus preaching in a way to get something to you, not something from you. Number three, Jesus has a specific ministry to heal heart hurts. He has a specific ministry to heal heart hurts. Now, let's not rush past this one too quickly. I'm going to camp out here for a second. 
I'm gonna camp out here for a second, okay? Um, why? Because there are people who look completely whole, but carry heart hurts for years, decades, and for some, almost all their entire life. Now, they looking fine when you look at them. They look good on the outside, but they're carrying around broken hearts for years, decades, and some people for their entire life. And for some of them, the person who broke their heart can be dead and gone, and they still carry the broken heart with them. All right? We got to deal like, like this is an anointing of Jesus. So, so I'm not rushing past this one because you, you see, I ain't going to play me because he's some church people look like everything. He talking to somebody else. And I'm, you know, I'm at your zip code. You know, I'm at your door. You know, I'm in your bedroom. You know, I'm in that house with you. Jesus has an anointing to heal heart hurts. See, if a person walked in here physically handicapped, we could see it and we could give them the appropriate pass. I know he can't move fast. Can't you see? You, you see he, he's limping. You see there's a problem. You can see this person is blind. If we can figure out if they can't hear, but I can't see your heart hurt. Because I can't see your heart hurt, I think you should just get over it. I don't even know if you got an issue. You carry those things. Heart hurts are real deep things, y'all. Heart hurts are big, big, big deals. People, if when you have a heart hurt, you carry that thing alone. Nobody 100% sympathizes with you because they don't see it. They, you know, that's a, that's just, it's just, it's your own private pity party. It's a heart hurt. Right? Some of us have moved in and made permanent residence at Heartbreak Hotel. Yeah, heart hurts. Those are big things. Sometimes it's because of your own disappointments. Let's look at Proverbs 13, 12. Proverbs 13, 12. Sometimes it's stuff that you thought would happen, and it just didn't happen the way you imagined. And that can mess your heart up. Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when desire, when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. Remember Zacharias? He had prayed for something, and when it came, his, he got so heart hurt that he didn't even want to hope again. You know, some people get in situations, and they got hurt so much by the last dude that when the next dude show up, they, they treat the, ne the next dude, they punishing the next dude for the stuff that the last dude did to him. Now, see, I see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't treat me like I don't know what I'm talking about. Don't play me. Uh-huh. Yeah, heart hurts. Heart hurts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got stuff. You, you, got, you, you got PTSD from your last faith fight. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you still, you still traumatized by the last thing you've been through. That's real. Don't, you can't listen. That's a real issue. 
That's a real issue. And you need real deliverance when you face it. But guess what? Jesus is a real deliverer. Okay? Look at Proverbs 12 and 18. Sometimes it's words that stay around with us. Words hurt. The biggest lie you ever learned as a child was sticks and stones. They break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. They lie to you. They lie. They lie. When they told you words that never hurt you, they lie. That's a lie. Mm-hmm. Words hurt, and words stay around. Them words stay around. Let's look at it. Proverbs 13, excuse me, Proverbs 12 and 18. There is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword. Their mouth speaks, and it's like you got cut, like they stabbed you. But the tongue of the wise promotes health. So we have to be careful. Listen, some of us are brokenhearted because somebody cut us to the heart with words that they spoke over us. Proverbs 18 and 8. The, the words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles. Um, in the King James, it says they're like wounds. Somebody's telling on you, and it's like they word cut you. And they go down to the inmost body. King James, inmost part of the belly. Words cut. You can, you can carry those wounds. They can live longer than the person who wounded you. They can mess you up in future relationships because of what happened in past relationships. Things happen to us, and those words are serious. All right? <laughs> I was looking at Facebook, and somebody took my second like there was a class photo where they have all of the individual pictures of each person in the class. It was Miss Davidson, who was my second grade teacher, and all my, my friends and stuff. And when I saw that picture, I remember my coloring book and how when I put my coloring book, everybody laughed at it. And I told them on Facebook, I told them. It was years later. It was years later. I was in second grade, but I still remember it. When I looked at the picture, all of the pain came back. Now, see, now, see, people, you see, they laughed, and it was kind of funny. But for real, for real, I still remember it. I remember how I felt that moment when they laughed at my picture. I still remember. I was a second grader. Couldn't have been in no more than six or seven. A lot of years didn't pass from then to now. But when I turn myself back, I can still feel how I felt. See, words, to, see, people don't think that stuff, no, baby, that stuff is for real, for real. You need that ministry of Jesus. Don't, don't get it twisted. Like, okay, don't, don't pass over this one. I know, I know there's all these other things we think about when delivering. But listen, the Lord told me to park here and make sure y'all get this. If I don't get to nothing else, y'all get that one, we good. You understand what I'm saying? Because that's a big deal. 
All right? Jesus came to heal that. Number four, number four on our, our list, Jesus came to preach deliverance to those imprisoned. He came to preach deliverance to those imprisoned. I remember everything I talked to you about, about hearing words, believing them, and taking them to heart. The word deliverance is liberty. Where you were bound and couldn't move, the word there says that you have, you are free to go about. All right? Um, you know, I t- my, my father in the faith, Doc, uh, one of my fathers, Doc Barkley, will be he- at Kingdom of Heaven on Wednesday, and I always go and one of his statements is, is that Jesus came so that you could experience the remission from sin, not the permission to sin. You know, when a disease is in remission, it's no longer hurting you. He came. He came to take away the punishment of sin to the point that it locks you into self-defeating behavior. Jesus came to help your can't help it. You ever, had the, you ever heard the term can't help it? He came to help those. Things you can't help, he came to help. It's interesting here that the word captives is describing people who are prisoners of war. Satan has taken you captive like you are a prisoner of war. It's like spiritually you in Guantanamo Bay. You a soldier for the Lord, but Satan's got you in a, in a prison camp where he tortures you. The Old Testament describes that you are not only enslaved someplace, but you were trafficked someplace else. It's like you were on a slave ship to be put away. Why? Because sin takes you where you didn't want to go and keeps you there longer than you intended to stay. But Jesus came to preach deliverance to the captives. All right. Number five, Jesus came to restore physical healing, including recovery of sight. Yeah, Jesus came to, to, to give you physical healings. This recovering of sight, every place where, where a person was blind, this is the same word that's used. We believe in destiny generation that the God we serve is a present-day healer. Healing didn't stop. Healing didn't stop when he left the shores of Nazareth, Galilee, right? Healing is for today. All right? Number six, Jesus came to open prison doors for those who have been bound so long, they carry physical, mental, and spiritual scars from their bondage. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People that have been incarcerated for a long time have to be reacclimated to freedom. They've been trained to live inside of a box. Their whole behavior changes because being incarcerated does something to you. 
Same thing is true when I can't see your bars. Just because I can't see your bars don't mean that they aren't barring you up. Yeah, some of us carry scars from bars. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't in my notes. But some of us carry scars from our bars. And we go forward still suffering, and we stay within certain boundaries because even though the doors are open, we don't believe that they're open, so we stay within the bondages that we had before we made Jesus Christ our Lord. This scripture says, he opened prison doors. He opens prison doors. He opens the doors. But just because the doors are open, the doors were open, and none of, remember when um, Paul and Silas, right, were in the jail, and they had gotten beaten, and God made the jailhouse rock? The doors open and everybody stood still. Nobody moved. Why? Because they had been trained that you stay within this thing. All right? And so we have to understand that that part of Jesus' ministry is to, to open those doors and then remove the scars from us that keep us operating in prison-like behavior in prisons of our minds. Because, you know, the devil will tell you, it, ain't, it didn't work, you're not free. You might as well go on back and, anybody ever heard that voice in their head? You might as well go back and, it didn't work. He's good at telling people that they're not free. All right? So when a person has this kind of situation going, they have to be told over and over again that you're free. You got to tell them, don't just, just think you told them one time and it should work. You got to tell them again, man, you're free. You're free. You don't have to do that no more. You don't have to live that way no more. No, it can't hurt you. Right? You got that kind of preaching ministry. You got to preach that way. You can't just tell them one time. No, faith comes by hearing and hearing that you're free. And you might have to hear it more than once or twice. Because the devil will tell you, you might as well go back and. All right? Why? Because the enemy never wants to acknowledge the truth that Jesus has opened your prison doors. So don't expect him to say it. Don't, don't, don't expect him to tell you that you're free. Listen to Jesus, and then you tell yourself you're free. Take Jesus' words to heart, not his. Believe him, say it, and then act like a free person. All right? Number seven, Jesus comes to declare, he came to declare that now is your year of favor. This is your Jubilee. Jubilee was a year of restoration of everything lost to your family. Right? Everything that the enemy's taken from your family gets restored to you in the year of Jubilee. But guess what? If 
You lost it in 1969. 2019 would be the first year you could get it back. Because that's 50 years. I know because I'm about to turn 50. So that's a long time. You're talking about, we, we just talked about people who hadn't experienced this kind of cold because it happened in 1994 and they weren't even born then. But chill, man. 50 years having to wait. Man, what if you was born in 69? You was hit until. <laughs> Are you, I mean, you lost it. Man, that's a long time to be waiting. But what Jesus is telling us is, is that the moment that we take his words to heart, believe them and confess them out of our mouths, that moment he becomes our jubilee. This is the year, the acceptable year of the Lord. We don't have to say it'll happen next year, someday in the future. He's saying, I got your deliverance with me right now. Yeah, this is Jesus' ministry of deliverance. So all of those things we just talked about, that whole list, I can receive them all right now. All right? Praise God for our dispensation. <laughs> Praise God I didn't have to wait 50 years. Thank you, Jesus. All right? Number, uh, number eight, my final one on this list. How you receive this deliverance ministry of Jesus determines how much of it you walk in in your life. How you believe it, how you receive it, how you call to it, how you act on it determines how much of his deliverance ministry you receive in your life. Come on, let's stand.